Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. And as usual, I'm here with my co-host tonight, Tara Parker. This is season two, episode 24. And boy, have we got a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, tonight is the inauguration of President Joe Biden. So uh, how do you feel about that, Tara? It's weird to say. It's President Sleepy Joe. Like, how does that happen? All right. So I want to put a time out to this, right? (laughs) Because... I mean, I started thinking about this today. I kept seeing all these Facebook posts and actually some mainstream media that was using people's names in derogatory terms, the oh. Cheetos gone, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's really starting to bug me. I mean, you know, we give everybody these pet names that, you know, wouldn't be acceptable in freaking kindergarten, but yet the mainstream media thinks they can blast it all, all over the world. I, I don't know. I, What's your thoughts on that? Because I, I really think we just need to step up and stop calling people names. I don't think, for one, that's ever going to happen. Bullying is a natural part of life at this point. But I do think <laughs> that uh, the media has gotten away with this. <laughs> yeah, the media has gotten away with this forever in a day. I mean, I was just looking up stuff. One of the uh, career fails I had has to do with a former vice president. Um, and it's something that the media took some, took one of his mistakes and made a huge deal out of it. And he ended up being noted, noted as the idiot. And that's when people, when you think vice president idiot, this guy's name particularly comes up and we'll get to that later in the show, but that's what the media does. That's how they get people to watch. And that's how they get, they get people pissed and they want p- pissed people watch more. And that's, and we all know that because all of our blood pressures are up, all of our, um, our stress levels are up because this kind of stuff irritates us. So it's... You know, yeah, I get that. But here's the thing, right? I mean, is it right? I mean, should we at this point be taking a step back and reevaluating kind of where we are um, sort of as a country and, you know, as individuals? I mean, let's be honest, this kind of behavior wouldn't fly at work, right? I mean, no, we, we no, would be... Wouldn't. I mean, but this we, is how people feel superior to one another, Chris, is when they can call out names and belittle one another and say, you're an idiot or you're stupid because I don't like your point of view. And that gets the allies, the Facebook social justice warriors start chiming in on one another and it becomes a back and forth. And that's what scores. That's what sells, unfortunately. So we are, as you stated, we're responsible for feeding into that narrative. We're responsible for breathing life into it every single day because we don't have to. But do you know how, much, how many emotionally intelligent adults it would take to put a stop to that? I mean, that's that's a lot of, of training and a lot of redirecting, a lot of reconditioning of the of the brain. Well, and, but, you know, and, even and these own politicians of, do it. I mean, but yeah, speaking of reconditioning, I mean, there was an article that I didn't put in this week, but you know, it was talking about how we're going to have to retrain all the Trump followers. You know, we're going to have to program reprogram. Katie Couric. Them. Yeah, I mean, Katie Couric uh, said that, and that's on mainstream re- media. But yeah, uh, you know, here's yeah. the thing: I think if everybody takes a step back and they correct people when they call other people names like this, I don't think it's going to take very long for the entire country to realize that you're going to have one group of people that are, you know, going to act morally superior to the other group of people. And then you're going to have a group of people that are going to be actually be acting civil. And that's my theory. But does that start to kind of traipse in the line of free speech? 
isn't that a part of free speech too where you can say ugly nasty foul things about one another and that's just the way the cookie crumbles yeah yeah but here, here's the, the, here's the conversation but here's the conversation we need to have about free speech okay and and honestly every adult in america needs to have this conversation with another adult in america what is free speech free speech is your right to express your opinions Right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have the right to go call fire in a, in a, in a movie theater. If people remember what a movie theater is at this point. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there are limitations I mean, to what free speech is, right? See, free no, speech I disagree. Says, I think you can, you do have the right, but there are consequences to making certain choices to exercising those rights inappropriately. There are consequences attached to that. And so, but, that's but, it, but is it really that's free that speech? Line. Then that's the question. If there are consequences to what you say, is it truly free speech? Well, I think the idea behind free speech with the the founding fathers is that in um, in England, prior to us shipping overseas and jumping that pond, you were told what you could and couldn't say. There was there was strict standards on what you could and couldn't say. You couldn't talk about certain religions out loud. You couldn't talk certain ways about the king or queen. And so, I think that's where that freedom of speech is coming from. Um, is the ability to openly express yourself to say, I don't like the way you're ruling this country. I don't like the way you're running your business. Does that mean anybody has to do anything about it? No. Yeah, but, but I think but that's I think the there's, basis for it. To, to me, I think there's limits, right? Because I think we've gotten to a part, we've gotten so far from what the founding fathers had envisioned here on what free speech really is. That mm-hmm. I think that even if you would have asked the founding fathers, hey, do you think it's okay to call this person a Cheeto head? First of all, you'd have to explain him what a Cheeto is and then put it in context. But, <laughs> you know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? I think if you right. asked George Washington and said, is it okay to blatantly say this guy is an idiot or call him a name or, you know, you're, you're allowed to have your opinion, right? But I think right. there are certain limits as to what's appropriate to express in public. And that's the question well, that I'm asking is what are the limitations of what true free speech really is? And what it isn't, because we do have laws of slander. I mean, you can't go right. out and slander some. Well, if you're a politician, you can, but anybody <laughs> you can. else, you can't go well, out and I, slander somebody. That's not free speech, right? That's a protected right. speech. So I think what you're getting at, Chris, is standards. Does the media have a, a solid set of respectable standards if they are producing this kind of um, expression? Or maybe is maybe the, the the mainstream media maybe their standards are too low. It's one thing for the public to express themselves in a certain way, but maybe the maybe the media has just become too loose and um, is losing respect for itself. And that's where well, I, I think that's we're way really past that point. We are well beyond where the media has lost respect for itself. Let's let's just say that. I mean, did here. it have I mean, it? The media has. I mean, I don't have any respect for the media now. I, I mean, there. If I want to read true journalism, I have to go to the English newspapers in Britain and read the British newspapers because they actually report both sides of the story. We don't do yeah. that here in America anymore. So, I mean, right. journalism in America is effectively dead on arrival. What I'm talking yeah. about is more core to our everyday, you know, to everybody else, right? I mean, the media is one thing, right? But let's talk about our kids and our families and our coworkers and our friends and how we treat and respect each other. And I think it's high time that we get to back to a a place where everybody has a little bit of respect for everybody else, right? I I mean, I think we've totally gotten to this point in this country where it's okay for you to disrespect everybody because there's no consequences to it, right? I mean, we we have lost our manners, and I'm just saying we need to get our manners manners back. And I'm 
totally not for restricting speech in the in the name of freedom of speech, okay? But I am for having a little bit of manners about it. How's that? I, I would be for manners. <clears throat> Excuse me. I totally would be for manners. I think that's a very good thing to have. But again, that goes back to self-respect. Most people, I mean, you've seen the social justice warriors out there. Most of them don't have self-respect. They... I was in a um, an exchange earlier today with somebody who I've known for a number of years, and it's I've I've known this person. They go above and beyond to prove a point to the, to very 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 long responses where you're like, your only response says too long didn't read. I'm sure it was great though, but there's and I had made a comment about you have to know at what point in time to honor your own self respect and walk away from a conversation despite your emotions, despite how inferior you feel. And you know that person feels superior because they have this big long explanation but you have to know when it's time to say like nope time out i'm done and that takes a lot of, of self-control and it takes a lot of self-respect and a lot of people they it, that it comes back in hindsight and I, yeah I yeah I, I, I totally was, agree was with you there i mean for me what brought this this topic up for me why i started thinking about it was you know i was on facebook and there's, uh, you know, some filmmakers that I follow and they had a post about, you know, should the president be impeached? And I wrote, well, hey, I'm fine with the president being impeached as long as because they were talking about inciting violence. Right. And I'm saying, well, yeah. I'm fine with the president being impeached, but you're going to have a long list of other, you know, politicians that need to be impeached as well because yes. they incited violence actually directly. And then they came back to the reply to the comment was, oh, well, who did that? And so I posted the Maxine Waters where she told people to go out and harass people that were Republicans. Those are her words. Make them pay. Make them pay were her exact words. And I saw that video from her and I'm like, oh my, what happens if somebody gets hurt and they say, well, Maxine Waters told me to. No, 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 but here's the best part. The the reply reply to my comment with the Maxine Waters, uh, you know, um, actual news story was, oh, well, she just, harassment isn't violence. She didn't incite violence. She just, she just did harass, you know, she just encouraged harassment, which isn't violence. And, And I started thinking to myself, okay, we have got to start thinking about what the hell we define everything as here. I mean, because if harassment is not violence, first of all, there's a whole bunch of domestic violence courts that are going to go batty because they're going to have to throw out a a bunch of their domestic violence stuff. Right. But that, that aside, harassment is violence. Okay. Let's, let's get that straight. People, we need to draw that line in the sand. Yes. Harassment is violence. Okay. So if you're going to impeach Trump for inciting violence, you're going to have to go impeach Maxine Waters. End of story, period, you know, get off my lawn kind of stuff. I mean, we need to start setting mor- you know, morals in this country and going back to the basics, right? And I think the pendulum has just swung way too far into these, I can do whatever I want because I'm American and I got freedom of speech. Well, let me tell you, brother, freedom of speech has got some limitations on it, okay? You still can't go be an idiot out there and get away with it. Well, that's the problem, I guess, right? You can. And yeah, I think can. we need to go back to where people actually have standards and morals and things like that. Self-respect. Have some self-respect to, to back off when it's time to back off and let the other person have the last word. Who cares? If they got the last word, sometimes having the last word speaks more to their character than it does your own. Well, you know, and I'll tell you what, I you know, scrolling through Facebook today was kind of depressing for me because you know, I got a lot of friends out there that that posted some really negative stuff about Trump leaving office. And I got to say, I lost some respect for some people, yeah, you, I you know, I, I, yeah. I don't even know what else to say. Like, I, I don't I mean, I, I've hidden people off my feed because I don't want to see their negative, nasty, derogatory crap, 
you know, it's great that you don't like the guy, but you don't have to go blast it on volume 20 every five seconds, right? Right. Well, I, you I don't mean, have to like the guy to support him. He was running our country. He works for us just like the current one does. And so people are very confused by supporting somebody means you like them and embrace all their values. No, it means you want them to be successful so you don't go down the toilet with them. You, you want them to be, That's and that was one of the things I posted today. Biden didn't get my vote. He never would have gotten my vote. I still don't understand how he won. I still don't understand him or his platforms. But he is now sitting in the Oval Office. And I've already don't like half of what he's done in that chair today. But he's doing it. And there's millions of people who are on board with that. It's, it's And I'm not going to do this whole not my president thing. I don't think that's the attitude to have. And if you want to have that attitude, that is up to you. But you're not having it because you really don't feel like this guy didn't win, that this guy stole an election or that this election was rigged. You have that attitude because that was the attitude that got started four years ago. And now it's a neener, neener, ha ha situation. Now it's the flip of the superiority spectrum. Now you, you feel it's your time to say, not my president, because you said it. And now how does it feel? That is not, that goes back to those manners. You got to learn to let crap go. There's a song about it. Check it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'm, <laughs> I just want to, leave this out there and then we'll go to the newsroom and talk about what you just talked about there with what Biden's doing in his first day in office with executive yeah. actions. But you know, there was a meme out there uh, and I should have pulled it up and it said, all of a sudden the liberals like, um, you know, walls and guns and they showed all the <laughs> troops that were protecting the new president and all of the walls that they erected, you know, around the, you know, where the inauguration was going to happen. Chain so now walls. All, all of a sudden walls like a giant worked. chain cage is what right. it was today. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was like, Oh, you know, that makes so much sense. But, and you know, it's yeah. just about the, narrative it's for whatever's convenient at the time right well so, it's just like the inauguration held up the flags which you're not supposed to do because that's supposed to be un-american now the national anthem was sung which was supposed to be a big it was a big controversial issue just within the last year or two that you're not supposed to be singing that because it's a bad song this well, land is yeah, your I'm land was saved today to prove all. a point it, yeah it was just one one faux pas after another that republicans and conservatives have been held they'd actually been nailed to the cross, the proverbial cross for, and yet Democrats and liberals are blaring, blaring them out. They're like, what? We never said these things were bad. These are, this is tradition. This is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So sit down and shut up. Yeah. All, all of a sudden it's good. Well, let's go over oh. and do the newsroom. And so we can talk about the first day in office. This is the newsroom. All right, so in the newsroom here, we have uh, the first topic here is there's a new sheriff in town, and uh, and that new sheriff is uh, going to be doing some crazy stuff here. Uh, maybe not crazy, I don't know. I guess he's uh, he's got his agenda, let's just say that, okay? So I'm going to bring up this article here. Uh, Biden announces day one erasure of Trump legacy, and uh, the article really doesn't have a good summary about it, but I think I've got a Facebook post here from Dan uh, Crenshaw, who is a, um, I think he's a congressman, right? He's out of Texas. Um, and so, you know, here's just kind of a high level uh, overview of what's going on with executive orders. So uh, NBC politics is who's, uh, you know, is who's reporting this. Um, so, of course, the big news was going back into the Paris uh, agreement for um, uh, for the climate uh climate uh, Paris Accord, right? Um, And so um, the next thing they're doing is they're canceling the Keystone uh, project, which brings oil, which allows us to be less dependent on foreign oil. um, And they're canceling the wall, right? 
So those are three big things. And there's other things here. Um, They're going to repeal Trump's travel ban. Um, They're going to have a mask mandate. Um, They're going to extend the eviction freeze. Um, They're going to unveil an immigration plan. Uh, Student loan pause is going to continue. Uh, And then they're going to revoke the permit uh, for the Keystone pipeline. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty big list of things to do on the first day. On the first day. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I'm not, I, is it really that important that we erase Trump from history that we have to take on this much action on the first day? I mean, the, 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 it's just, wow. I don't know. This is just crazy to me. This, that's a lot going on. And it just sends the message of, we dislike Trump. We don't like what he did. We're going to redo and undo everything as soon as humanly possible because he was a terrible president. And that's because we said so. And so yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time getting behind these because these policies, the things that this Trump is a said real play, B&H customer bad. story. I mean, Jack that's, Barbara, that's what I'm scared of is like, our gas price is going to jump back up now because of some of the work that Biden wants to do. Are we going to have some issues with um, international dependency because Biden is entering us back into deals that we got ourselves out of? And what is he going to do about the, the, Mid- the Middle East peace treaty? Like, how is he going to impact that? Because that was huge. Is he going to piss off Korea and are we going to be back at, you know, their, in their, their focal point for their, their weapons? I just, what is the point of all this other than to say, Hey, it's, it's ours now. We got it. So kiss off. I just, I feel like this is not, this is not thoughtful politics. This is not mindful politics. I feel like this well, I mean, is but, a power but let's, trip. Let, let's talk about what it is. It's pandering to the base, right? I mean, right. Um, so, you know, they're like, okay, well, these are things that Trump did. We're going to just erase them on day one. Um, but as Dan Crenshaw points out in his post here, and I'm going to bring that up again, um, you know, he points out that these things aren't helping everyday Americans, okay? Yeah. Um, the Paris Agreement is helping China and European diplomats, um, cancel Keystone is just making people in Russia more, uh, more rich. Um, and no wall helps illegal immigrants. Right. So, um, you know, they're not, they're not helping, um, you know, everyday Americans with these things. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I think there's, uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse, uh, in the long term from the, the left. And I think what you're going to see is, um, you're going to see some more Democrats come over and be independents. Yeah, I can see that happening. I see a lot of both sides doing that, actually. Um, but Trump did say he's a uh, he's going to start a new show on that one. So, yeah, that, we'll, that... we'll we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next uh, so the next thing I got here is uh, Trump impeachment. So they the, the Democrats have actually come out uh, now and they have admitted um, that the impeachment was solely that to prevent Trump from running again in four years. Yeah. Um, and, and we said that, didn't we say that here? Yeah. I mean, we that said that here on the, on the this thing, was all about right? keeping I mean, Trump out of the, the white house. Yeah. And so I think we, we hit that one on the head. So I threw that one in there just cause I thought you'd, you'd appreciate that. But, um, to me, if you're going to impeach a president just to prevent him from running in four years, I, to me, that, that runs kind of on this whole moral thing where, uh, I, I don't think it's right, uh, for one. And no. I think it really kind of is treasonous, right? I mean, what do you it's think? An, yeah, it's an abuse of power. How dare people do, take the power that they have bestowed upon them to hold somebody in the highest office accountable, and then they abuse it. Now, I, I don't think for a moment that Trump did 
uh, incite any kind of violence or takeover or whatever the hell you want to call what happened on Capitol Hill back on January 6th. I think he may have said some stupid things, but he has said a lot of stupid things over the last four years. And for this one time to incite this one event, I don't buy it. And I really yeah. don't think the reasonable person would buy it. So no, I think this is an incredible misuse of power. This goes exactly to um, what this what these people have been doing all, all this whole time was accusing Trump of misusing power. Well, two wrongs don't make a right, folks. Right. If, you've got, if you've got some hardcore evidence, then take somebody down the right damn way. And if you can't do it, sit down and shut up. This is so irritating to me. And, it's, and it really bothers me there's not enough people that are more irked. Now, I don't care if you like Trump or not. I don't really, I wasn't all that upset when they took away social media because it's like, oh, finally, maybe won't have some of the rhetoric he's been, like the verbal vomit that he comes up with. It's kind of nice to have that breath of fresh air, but at the same time, he deserves to have the same platforms as everybody else. But to to put him in a position just to, to, to try and stronghold him. To, to disarm him so that he can't come back. It's like, you do realize this is Trump. If he wants to find a way, he will create it. He doesn't even have, the way doesn't have to exist yet. He will just flat out create it for himself. So I think they, again, this goes back, you're feeding an ego. And that this, this is exactly what this ego likes to feed off of is, is spite. Tell him he can't do something. He'll find a way to do it. Or he'll find a way to finance it. He'll find, he will find a way. It's like, stop taunting the beast. You know, let's, Let's quit releasing this dang, what is that? Release the, the Crichton from the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Stop uh -huh. releasing the damn Crichton and let the thing sleep and move on. Like get over yourselves. This is such an abuse of power. Such an abuse of With power. With five really high fidelity speakers, in this yeah. whole thing. Echo Studio delivers immersive Dolby Atmos sound. Alexa, play the best of Dolby uh -huh. Atmos playlist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Alexa. <laughs> uh, oh no, I hate she started. These. Stop. I'm trying to bring up an article here. I hate these websites. Now everything oh, has autoplay on video. It drives me nuts. I just yes. uh, I'm gonna have to just start screenshotting this stuff so I, I don't know. have to open it live on the air. Um, but anyhow, so the next topic we have here is uh, I tried pulling an article up, but I ran out of my free views on the wall. Uh, was it the Washington <laughs> Post or whatever it was here? Um, I guess maybe I should spring for the dollar of whatever month or week it is that they want. Uh, but anyhow, so the next article I have here um, from yeah Washington Times is a new political party. So Trump has apparently talked to some of his associates about starting a new political party. Yeah. Um, now I've got to be honest with you, I, I really have no idea even what that entails right like i'm assuming it takes a bunch of money and a bunch of signatures and you know a building somewhere right but um i don't know what do you think i, I i'm kind of split on this one because you have the republican party which i don't think really appeals to most republicans um right. you have the democratic party which i think people appeals to less republicans <laughs> <laughs> well it doesn't appeal to any public any any republicans but but i think on the democratic side i think you've got a, a very small base of very hardcore Democrats. Right. And then you have a base of Democrats that are like, well, I'll just call myself a Democrat because it's, you know, socially makes me feel good. Right. Yes. Um, and then I think you've got a whole bunch of people in the middle that are like, they just go one way or the other based on something that they feel emotional about. Emotional about exactly. Yeah, this is, um, I don't, I don't know how many attempts there have been in the past. I know we've got, we actually have several different parties, like the tea party is one. There's the, constitutionalist, the federal, I mean, there's, the, I think the federalist is another one. I need Jason DeArmond to pop in here and, and tell me what all parties there are, because I believe he would know. Um, 
I think we're, we're considered a bipartisan nation because it, the only two candidates that can truly run on the ticket is really a Democrat and a Republican. You can put an independent on there. They rarely pick up enough steam to, to actually make the final, um, the final ticket. So, um, but maybe it's time for something different. You know, I don't think that, I don't, I don't know how far the forefathers thought this, these original documents would carry everybody and the original processes would carry everybody. And so maybe it might not be such a bad thing to um, consider uh, another political party that is going to appeal to more people who feel like I'm not this spectrum because it, it's such an extremist view one way or another. Yeah. And you do need a comfortable middle where you can say, ah, that's a little too much. And that's a little too much. I like right here in the middle because it's more case by case. We can actually look at things, which is what I think Trump actually did during his presidency. I do think he looked at things at a case by case basis. I do think he took a lot of things into consideration. Some of the pardonings that he provided throughout his um his time as president, um, I think go to show for that. I think every time somebody brought attention, something to his attention, he actually did give it some consideration, some honest to God consideration versus saying, you're black, you're a drug dealer, you're always gonna be a drug dealer, you're staying in jail. Or it's not my fault, grandma, that you got caught dealing drugs when your family was poor, not my problem, you're staying in jail. He never really took that point of view. Now again, his rhetoric sucks. Him in front of a microphone is scary. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. But it came down to him getting business done he knew how to do it. He yeah. still does. So this maybe this isn't such a bad idea, but I think I would like for him to not do it under the pretenses of, did you guys just kick me out of my office? I, I, let me show you. <laughs> let me <laughs> yeah. just show you what I can do now that you've really pissed me off. It's like, I'd like for it to be started under something a little bit more pure and like, hey, this is, this is, this might be a good thing, but I kind of feel like this is, oh boy. <laughs> well, so, so here's what bothers me about it, right? Um, okay. So you've had the libertarians and the independents on a lot of tickets. And I think in a lot of races, they've actually detracted from one of the other main candidates. Right. So they have essentially become the swing vote because they take enough votes away from either Democrat or Republican to swing it one way or the other. Right. And And I'm not here to say any specific race that's good or bad. I'm just saying that a third party splits the vote and, and it makes it, it makes a tight race, I think even tighter. Okay. Um, so the question is if you're going to have a true third political party, um, that, that actually has a chance of winning some of these main candidacies, then I think you've got to have such a huge base that basically it would replace the Republican ticket. I think that's how big it has to be. You're probably right. I think it'd take more research than what you and I understand to under, to even know if this is a possibility. I I mean, and you know Trump, if something's not possible, he's going to try and find a way to make it possible. So I, th- I think there is some, um, some of the stuff I've seen, some of the reports I've seen in association with this proclamation of Trump's has stated it's probably not the right time for this idea. And so maybe it's entirely possible, but I think the timing is not, I, I don't want to, something shouldn't be created off the tail edges of um a questionable election situation in yeah, I'm, Capitol I'm with, Hill. So I, I'm with you there. I think that, uh, you know, maybe the timing right this second isn't right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good ideas in the, in the libertarian party. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think I tend to be pretty libertarian minus the, you know, doing the weed part because they like to, <laughs> they, they like to, have that front and center of their platform is they're going to legalize all weed, which is fine. 
I think it's fine to legalize weed and tax it and do all that stuff that we do with cigarettes, okay? Um, and, you know, let people have that personal choice, okay? Right. Um, but here's the thing. I, I'm not going to go fly a flag that's got a big marijuana plant on it and say that's my political platform. That's where the libertarians are screwing up. They need to, they need to put that on the back burner. That just needs to be a little, a little sidebar issue, even though it's a pretty big deal to them. They need to, their messaging needs to be reversed so that that's not, you know, but the libertarian party is pretty much, you leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. As long as you're not hurting anybody, we're all good. Right. And I I think that's, I think that's how a lot of people in this country are. um, But I think they feel trapped to vote either Democrat or Republican because of really social pressures. Exactly. Social pressures. You need to do it this way. If somebody, um, because we're, we're scared to piss each other off for fear we might lose a Facebook friend or somebody might badmouth us on Facebook or whatever. And so it's, uh, yeah, you say that whole flag weed thing. And the only thing I can think of is, does it have Beavis and Butthead on the flag with it? I just need to know if those two, if they're like the spokespersons, because that would be so funny. And I need just a little bit of South Park in there to tip it off. Like that oh, would yeah. make we my could, whole day with We could with have party. Uh, Cartman and Beavis and Butthead and the King of the Hill guy. Who's the, oh the my gosh. old guy from King of the yes. Hill? Yes. You know, he's, he's holding the beer. He's got the beer, you know? Yes. I mean, yeah, we... we <laughs> You could have a lot of fun with that, but you could. You know, I, Imagine I, the I stuff think... would get done with that kind of sense of humor and that much less hate. Because there's those are the kind of shows where they really didn't bother each other. There's just like I'm doing my thing, go do your thing, and if we want to do the same thing, great. But otherwise, go away, leave us alone. Like we have our we have our boundaries. Um, well, the, the thing that the thing that cracks me up about this whole thing is. Okay, so, I mean, if we talk American and what it really means to be American, it's like, you know, you think of what? The melting pot, right? You know, all these immigrants well, came and, and we all came together and everybody's kind of got their their kind of individual culture, but it all kind of comes together to make an American culture, right? I mean, I mean to, yeah, I think a, a salad bowl is, I've heard that analogy versus the melting pot where you kind of have an assimilation factor is, is where people are taking that melting pot. Cause I was gr- raised with the same ideology that America is a melting pot, but I like the salad version too. Cause you can have all the different pieces of the salad. They all work by themselves for the most part. You put them together, you get some really, really great things. Things start melding together and start working together and you get these new flavors and new spices, which does go to your point it's the overall American culture um, until it's not. And right now it's, 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 we're taking pieces of the salad out, rinsing of the flavor and putting them off to the side to fight. Um, yeah. We, you know, we're, we're taking the bacon bits out of the salad and we're calling that American now, right? If they're Im- imitation bacon bits, I'm okay with taking them out, but you can't take the real <laughs> bacon out. Like you got to leave the real bacon in there. No bacon yeah. bits get really bad indigestion. Not worth it. Yeah, my, I guess my point was, I think if <laughs> if you were to honestly sit down with people and say, okay, these are what the political parties really think, you know, which one are you most like? Um, I think a majority of Americans would, would probably come out more libertarian than they think. Um, you know, I think that would surprise them. I, I know I had that revelation when, when a friend of mine said, no, you're not a Republican, you're a libertarian. I was like, oh, crap, I got to go really look this up. And I mean, I kind of knew what it was, right? But, right. you know, and it was like, yeah, I'm I'm almost a libertarian, but I'm not going to go out and hold a flag with a marijuana plant on it and, you know, smoke a joint. I mean, that's just, you know. <laughs> Right. They, they got their messaging well, wrong. It's, it's one thing to have a couple of views that are libertarian and a couple of views that are probably more conservative. And I think that's where people really start getting tripped up on is they hear one view that you share and they're like, oh, you must be a liberal. It's like, no, I'm not. That's just the one view I have that kind of lines up with them. No, no, you're a liberal. 
And I've, it's, I've had several people that try to tell me that I was a liberal throughout my entire life. It's like, but I'm not, most of my views don't line up there. Um, you can't just take one view and, and build a persona off of somebody with it. It's, you've got to get to know more about their entire belief system and their, their uh, mental frameworks to understand where they truly are politically, if they're anywhere at all. Um, I don't know. I, people just need to relax. Maybe they need to smoke a little bit of that weed and chill out. <laughs> Maybe that would help them out. Perhaps yeah, that think, will just call. Think, uh, Maybe they should legalize marijuana for everybody and make it a requirement at least once a week. Get a little high, chill out, and just be, just enjoy life, and stop worrying and stop fussing. Just well, you know, I mean, we we certainly need to get away from this. People are either all bad or all good, right? I mean, you're right. you're not some virtue saying if you're Democrat or you're Republican, right? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You don't take the moral high ground because both parties have got problems. Oh, all they all I'm do. Saying, <laughs> they right? so, they I mean, so do. Both parties have got problems. I, I mean, we, oh. we need to come. You need to realize that now. And, and even the independents and libertarians, they got their issues as well, oh, right? They all do. Uh, I mean, every so one no... of them does. Just like every group has their own issues. Every it, Nobody's perfect. Nothing is perfect. No views are perfect, no matter what you do. And that's the thing. You have to accept the fact that people are different. And that was one of the things I pointed out to the person I was exchanging um, posts with today. It's like, I don't like your views, but I do like you. There's a difference there. I don't have to like your views. I I enjoy a good debate with this person, but their personality overall is something I happen to enjoy. And I used to hang out with them all the time and life doesn't allow for it right now. That's fine. But you don't have to like somebody's views in order to like them. You can respect them. And that is the true test of respect is if somebody can vary from you so greatly, but you can still find something about them that you enjoy. Yeah, we, we definitely need to get back to that. And I'm, I'm not sure, like I said, I I think the way it needs to happen in this country is everybody just needs to sit one person down and say, Hey, you don't have to be this way. (laughs) It doesn't have to be like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. They've had, it's certain things are trending right now. So it depends whatever's cool and, and hashtagging. Well, I mean, here, here's my litmus, litmus test, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't say something that you could say at work, you probably shouldn't be saying it in public, right? I mean, like, you know, if you're, if you're an adult and you have a job, and I don't care if that job is at McDonald's or at the grocery market or you're, you know, a, an executive somewhere, right? right? Anywhere anywhere in between there, even if you work for yourself, if you wouldn't say something in the course of your work, Right now, I think the exception is maybe a comedian or something like that, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> you know, exceptions. <laughs> it, you know, don't go saying stuff that would get you in trouble at work with HR. That's all I'm saying is. Well, that's the thing, too, know, Chris, is you can say something outside of work, nothing to do with work, but work finds out about it and you can be fired because of cancel culture. And yeah. so it's like and people aren't getting it. They're not realizing, oh, crap, I can literally lose my job just for being in this private Facebook group. Once they find out my affiliation work does, I'm SOL, especially the higher up you get in leadership or management or whatever. Um, and so it's, it's already there. People aren't thinking. They're just like, I have a right. This is a public forum. I'm invited. Yeah, but be careful what you wish for when you have an open invite to things because you just might get <laughs> what, exactly what you yeah, want. Exactly. All right. So the next topic on here um, is Elon Musk. Elon and, Musk. One and of my whole, favorites. Um, you know, hate speech. And so here we are, another website with a bunch of bloody pop-ups. Uh, but <laughs> basically, Elon Musk over here, uh, you know, he's basically saying the um, 
you know, the difference between big tech banning hate speech and hated speech, right? Um, so I yeah. thought this was a pretty good article here. Um, you know, he talks about, um, you know, labeling the, uh, the big tech uh, being the de facto arbiter of speech, you know, which I, I have a lot of issues with. Um, you know, the... It, this is just a whole mess topic, right? But, right. you know, um, basically um, he said that, you know, somebody tweeted to him and he replied, um, you know, uh, so Musk tweeted, a lot of people are going to be super unhappy with West Coast high tech as a de facto arbiter of speech. Um, so we'll cut this over to the website. Um, he, he also replied that West Coast tech has to make the distinction between banning hate speech and banning the speech it hates. So let me say that again, in case you missed that. It says, tech has to make the distinction between banning hate speech and banning speech it hates. And I, I think that's a huge, huge distinction here, right? I yes. think, I think um, if, you're, if, if big tech is banning speech that it hates, that it doesn't like, then that's not okay. Right. Okay. If they're banning true hate speech, then that's okay. I think, I think that's what, where they need to moderate it. But, you know, this goes back to the whole, you know, what is it? Section 230 thing, right? We need to right. make the, uh, you know, we may need to make the disti this distinction here. Um, are we going to hold these platforms accountable for the content on their platform? And the big debacle with Amazon and parlor was that uh, Amazon allows hate speech on Twitter, but then they basically killed parlor for the same thing right yep. so need to be um, consistent but that is a big challenge in today's world um and just a quick note to circle right back around but we're going to not stay there abraham lincoln created the republican party in a little bitty schoolhouse looking building with a few of his friends and so it's possible to start parties we are a two-party country jason dearman did finally um catch up but just a throw that in there and then we can go back now to Elon Musk. I just wanted to get that out there, but <laughs> well, no, I agree. You need to be conformed and, and, or you need to be uniform in how you treat the people that you are hosting your websites for. If you are demanding expectations of one, you need to demand it of them all across the boards. Um, otherwise you're not looking transparent. It, it looks like there's something else maybe shady and Weasley going on there. Um, but Twitter can get away with that. Where else are people going to go? to voice their opinions and use their free speech, except for Trump, which he can't go anywhere now. Um, and that's the other thing too, is it fair to have shut Trump down at this point in time uh, just because they didn't like his speech? Or is it, is there, I mean, does, and it's it's a free enterprise, is that okay? So it's, it's such a, in my mind, I don't think Amazon had any right to say, parlor, no, Twitter, yes. And that's how this is going to go. And I mean, yeah, Parler I think, I think jumped the, huge the, overnight. So they were just the going to keep growing. Uh, I think the big gripe from, well, at least Apple came out and said that their big gripe with Parler was that they didn't have any sort of way to moderate the content. And Twitter has ways to moderate the content. So even though they're doing a really crappy job of moderating the content, apparently that's okay. Right. So um, well, I, I don't know. Well, they were talking about is... hanging Mike Pence on Twitter the same week that Parler got shut down. It's like, wait a second here. Like... Where, where are you moderating at exactly? It just tell me how. But it, things have changed so much that the, the emotions have run so heavy. I remember when uh, Kathy Giffen did that really grotesque picture of her holding Trump's decapitated head with a knife in her hand or something. You remember that from a few uh, years ago? I think it was his first yeah, year. Yeah, I remember that. That was that she should just have been canceled, period. Her, and she was. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to cancel somebody, 
that that was blatant right it was but she should be canceled anyway because she's a terrible talent in my opinion but that's just my opinion i've never been a big fan of hers anyway but to post something like that and at first people are like that's not right kathy you should apologize and you shouldn't do that and blah 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 versus you know if another year later roseanne barr makes a comment comparing a black woman to an ape which is not exactly what happened but i can see where they got that from yeah probably she's, not she's not canceled immediately moment, right? off her show she's killed off the show so they can't bring her back in an opioid overdose of all things so they feed into another narrative there and so it's like it's definitely um pick and choose like like the the big tech is making their basketball team and they're just picking and choosing the talent that they want and they're leaving behind everybody else. Yeah. I think uh, that there's a lot of work to be done here, especially with, I mean, I think we need some legislation around, you know, if you're going to be a social media platform like this, then maybe you need to do these things. But then anytime you put rules like that, you basically squeeze out anybody that is small. Right. And then the only people that can do these things now are big giant corporations that have the money and already established. So you know, I think there's a lot of debate that needs to happen there. Um, but but it goes back to that. Are they a platform or are they a publisher? Because if they're a publisher, then they're responsible for the content on the platform. If they're a, um, you know, if they're just a platform, then they're not responsible for the content on it. So, I mean, and, and let's be real, the people that are moderating these things aren't in America. They're, they're, you know, foreign labor that's hired out at ridiculously cheap rates. And we've read articles about how these people are now traumatized for life over some of the crazy stuff that they've seen, Can you, you know, moderating YouTube and Facebook and things like that. So, um, you know, I think with AI, you know, machine learning, it could, well, cause AI is people, but, um, you know, I think, think there'll be some more automated things, but really we just got to get down to people just got to stop posting bullshit BS on, on these platforms, you know, that they do, that would be nice, but it's not going to happen. And, you know, unfortunately yeah. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Cause the next article I have up here is, uh, you know, kids today, uh, there's an article here. Uh, talking about why kids are bored, entitled, and impatient with few real friends. And it all goes back to basically the digital babysitter, right? So, right. Um, you know, so I think uh, we have to really be cognizant of, you know, what, what we're allowing our kids to do and kind of what that technology is doing to their brain and how it's reprogramming them, right? Because, I mean, the kids get to be zombies with the technology. And then the article goes to talk about how the real world just isn't, stimulating enough right right um you know you get this game and it's got lots of things flashing and it's really stimulating for the brain and there's all this dopamine that's coming out when they play this game and then they go to the real world and it's like oh this sucks you know there's no stimulation there for them so um you know i think this is this is only going to get worse you know as time goes on um you know that we're going to have these sorts of issues in our society right i agree Oh, we have to get rid of that extra noise. <laughs> you got you got a little doggo there going nuts in the background. It um, wouldn't be the same unless it was something. So <laughs> Right. So the uh, the next article I have here is kind of an interesting one. Uh, I'll get that pulled up here in a second. Um, and it says, uh, so U-Haul does a survey of uh, the states where people are basically moving from and to, right? I mean, they have the data. Uh, because they rent U-Hauls across country, and so they have this big, giant database. Um, so every year they put out a, um, you know, sort of a report on, you know, where people are, are leaving from and where they're going to. Um, so I thought this was kind of interesting to scroll down here. 
Um, here's the top 10 gross states. So we're talking Tennessee, Texas, Florida, uh, Ohio, and Arizona are the top five, uh, with Colorado rounding out number six. Uh, Missouri is number seven, which that kind of surprised me. I didn't realize there was yeah, a really. lot going on in Missouri. Uh, Nevada is number eight, North Carolina is number nine, and Georgia is number 10. So, um, you know, basically what I get out of this list was uh, people are moving to where the taxes are cheap, right? Yeah. Because um, a number of these states in the top, you know, the list, they don't have state income tax, right? Um, they have a much better tax rate. And I think people are leaving the, you know, Californias and the New Yorks where there's it's very expensive to live because now their job doesn't require them to live there. So they're reducing their overhead costs, which is only natural, right? Right. So, yeah, I thought this was an interesting article here. Um, you can go ahead and, and uh, read it, uh, you know, to kind of see what the details are here but uh yeah definitely things are are things are definitely changing and uh okay <laughs> the, la the last uh thing i got here for um um <laughs> you're kind of you already know what it is yeah, I do. um so the last thing i got here for the newsroom is the cia uh be so the coronavirus um law you know how they pack all these extra things in the law that they don't tell yeah. you about um, yeah. which personally drives me nuts. I think the law should have to have the title of what's in it. They shouldn't be able to package all this other stuff under one giant title, right? Um, but here's the thing. So the in the new coronavirus law that got signed, um, they slipped a law in that said the CIA or whoever has to share all their documents on UFOs. Um, so here we are. Oop, we got a pop-up here. Um, oh so God. the so the CIA is now going to share all this documentation on on UFOs. They have 180 days to comply, um, and there's a link here on on basically how you can get them. So um, I think a lot of these documents are going to come out as redacted. You know, there's going to be yeah. a lot of information that that you're not going to be able to see. Um, but certainly, if you're you know into this sort of stuff. Um, you know, I think you're going to have a kind of a field day just going through this and trying oh to find gosh. little nuggets of information. So I'll uh, wait for the media to lie about it. It'll be great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And just remember, um, you know, UFO doesn't mean alien, right? Like right. Little it's green. unidentified flying object. It could be very anything. good. It could be a bird that they're like, Hey, what is that bird? Oh, yeah, that's it could what it be is. a bird. A bird. I, I think I think a lot of these are going to turn out to be test airplanes that the military was doing that that you know basically yeah. nobody knew about. Because um, you know even if you're in the military, you're flying a fighter jet, you're not being briefed on the jets that are being tested out. You know that are top right. secret, right? So uh, I think a lot of these are going to be you know, military test aircraft. Um, or other sorts of tests for military things. I think that's going to be a majority of them. But you know, there's probably going to be a couple in there. It's like, oh, that's kind of wild, you know. Uh, yeah, it could be interesting. It could be and it'll be blurry photos. I mean, some of that stuff there is going to be hard to detect, and that's why they don't go anywhere, or do anything. But I mean, there, you might be able to see an alien in a window somewhere. So that'd be cool if you can get that. If you get a picture of that, let us know. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll see what comes <laughs> out of it. Um, I do remember last year. I think it was last year when they were going to storm Area Fifty One. There was this great <laughs> meme that had. Uh, it had all these people that were lined up there, you yes. know, and, it, and then somebody photoshopped in a guy holding his hand up in a, in a business suit. And he said, stop, we're trying to contact you about your car's extended warranty. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, that, that just cracked just, me up. People need to be really thoughtful and mindful. They need to be really mindful of what they're asking for. You just yeah. you never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. Uh, so you ready to go do the uh, career workout? 
Yeah, let's do the career workout. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. All right. So uh, on the career workout, the uh, the title here is career. Uh, no, that's career fails. The career workout <laughs> is uh, show me more money. Show me show more me money. More money. Show me more money. So I was thinking about, you know, kind of uh, what's one of the, some of the challenges we might have at work. And I think asking for raises is definitely a challenge, especially if you are accustomed to getting an annual merit increase or an annual raise. And a lot of companies do this. And it's, it's for a couple of reasons they do this. One, it's to um, feed into their budgets that they've already created for salaries and, and benefits. Two, it's to prevent you from asking for more, more money. And it's kind of a sneaky little way of doing that. And they're not all, not all businesses, businesses are going to come clean about that, but that's really what it's about. And so it takes a lot of moxie to go up to your boss and say, Hey, you owe me a little deeper paycheck here. Let's go. And so what got me to thinking about this is I had talked with a female some time ago and she was telling me about um, her company was laying off. You know, majority of her team had been laid off. A lot of the responsibility was going to fall back on her. She went to her boss and she said, I'm going to need a raise. And he kind of laughed her and he's like, you've got to be joking. We just laid off people. And she's like, yeah, and now I have to do their work. So clearly you consider me to be an asset. Clearly you see me to have some skill. So clearly you need to be paying me more money if I'm going to be doing more work. And yeah. she actually, she broke it down really well for him saying, you can't expect me to do all this extra stuff for the same amount of pay. And he was kind of dumbfounded. She said, she, you could tell the look on his face. It's like, holy crap. Like where do you get off in a time where we're kind of failing as a company and you want me to give you more money? He's like, so he said, I'll talk to my leadership. Sure enough, he came back with a raise for her. So good for her. She got it. And so I know a lot of the places out there will tell you a lot of these different articles will say, don't ask for raises in time of a crisis. That might actually be a really good time to ask. It does sound like you're kind of sneaking something into a law you're trying to pass, like what we were just talking about, right. the UFO documents. But when you have legit reasons, like what she laid out, you're asking more of me. You're, I have to do it in the same amount of time or less. And the, you know, I'm not going to get any other compensation for it. It's not like you're going to give me extra vacation days. Not like I could afford to take them. When you have real solid reasons for approaching this kind of situation that can be scary, it's hard to say no to. And so this article kind of goes into a few different things. Um, but the first thing that I like that it points out is that one, it's normal to ask for merit increases. It's normal to ask for wages. You don't need to wait until the annual raise comes along where you have to be evaluated and then you sweat through it thinking, did I do as good a job as I thought I did? Does this person think I did a good job, even though they told me I did a good job? And so it's, there's never a bad time to ask for a raise. There really isn't. Just be prepared to hear the word no. And hearing the word no is great because you can kind of delve into why, why are you telling me no? And you kind of work with that information to uh, make your follow-up requests a little bit more hearty. Um, you do need to be emotionally intelligent about your timing. Um, and this goes into a few different things. One, you, you are still talking about budgets, time of the year, that sort of thing. What you also might consider is you don't want to catch your boss running from meeting to meeting or trying to pick up the pieces of a failed project from another employee who was fired or something along those. You don't want to pick those super stressful times of your leadership. You want to make sure that things are kind of cool. They're not trying to get through their day. They're not stressed out. You really want to say, hey, when you've got a few moments, let me have some of your time. I want to run something by you. And that kind of prepares them for like, oh, they've got something important here. Let me, I need to find time to slow down and make it, you know, schedule the time. 
actually put it down on the calendar after you've told them I want to talk to you and then schedule the time to talk with them. Um, the third point it brings up is if you've been doing excellent work for a year since your salary was last set, it might be time to ask, which that's pretty self-explanatory, I feel like. Um, kind of want to move along through these. The raises and budget cycles, you want to consider that with your company. But again, you don't want to have just gotten a, a merit raise and then turn around and ask for another one because you didn't get what you wanted. Hey, more money, more money. <laughs> right. Like you want to make sure these things are timed out. So if you get your, your annual raise and then six months later, you complete this massive project that everybody's like, hey, that was super stellar. You really went out of your way. Great job. We really know we can count on you. Those are key words. Those are key indicators of now is a good time to say, hey, I'm glad you think that way. Can we sit down and talk about a few things regarding my career, regarding my position? That's a great time to do it because, and again, it sounds like you're kind of slipping some laws in there that you're not supposed to. But so when somebody's in a good mood, they're, they've, they've got that new information of this, this, this employee does a really great job and they really deserve to get more. So it's a really key time to sit down with your boss and ask for more money. Yeah, you know your worth by researching your positions online. I have done this with my last several positions before I went asking for a salary or I wanted to know what salary I was probably gonna be offered. I think this, it's just educating yourself, knowing what the role's probably worth and then knowing what you're worth in terms of that role. So it's, you know, I've always told somebody, um, I was actually coaching somebody who's getting ready to interview again. And he's like, well, how do I negotiate a salary? You look at the role, you determine what that role is worth. And then, you know, you can ask for a percentage more. He's looking to freelance. He's like, well, how do I determine that value? You, whatever your value is, add 10%, because most times we do undervalue ourselves by at least 10%, if not 60. But it's, it's just a way to kind of umph yourself a little bit more and, and get the money you're looking for. Talk to coworkers, former colleagues, acquaintances, and this is hit or miss. You don't want to talk to just anybody. You want to find somebody who's done really well with their career, somebody who's taken the right steps, who's used the right words, who's picked the right time. This, these are mentors. These are coaches. This is not your overly emotional friend that works down in the manufacturing department and they're fairly ticked off of their job and they feel like they're underpaid anyway. Those are not good resources for this kind of thing. You want to find people who've already been there, done that, and help have them help you guide your way through this kind of conversation. Uh, factoring the company's salary structure is a good one. What to say when to ask for a raise? Saying, I do good work. You got to pay me more. I'm underpaid. I hear this so much. I'm underpaid for what I do. I should get a raise. Oh yeah, why? What makes you underpaid? What are you doing that is so great? Or are you emotional and you're just tired of what you're gaining from what you're doing? Like, are you balancing out? Are you, is there a good ratio of give and take there? And scrolling down for more, keep focus on your work accomplishments, not your finances. Worst reason in the world to ask for a raise, I need the money. I'm in debt. I gamble a lot. Those are things you don't want to tell your boss. <laughs> yeah. You probably don't want to go, like, I just blew my salary at the casino. I'm a libertarian. We're smoking weed every night, and I need money to force the habit. So, hey, man. You need to, you really need to, you, you take those accomplishments. So, it's a great, in fact, this is one of the things that I learned to put on my resume. Highlight your accomplishments on your resume and keep your resume updated regularly. So, when you do go to your boss, you can say, hey, six months ago, I did this. Nine months ago, I did that. Three months ago, this. Keep a running tally of what you're doing good. It'll help in your evaluation if you can't get a raise between yearly um, salary increases, but it's always good to say, I'm really starting to show my worth here. And if, we, if, if I can't get a raise, maybe I need to look 
where's my next career move at then? Right. And then most importantly, and I love this one, know what to say if the answer is no or maybe. The, the number one rule about the word no is it means no right now, not no forever. And we tend to get tripped up in that mental trap that somebody says no. It's like, oh, that's it. I'm done. That means it's over with. No, it means today is not the day for that conversation. Today is not the opportunity. So you can say things like, when's a good time to check back in with you on this? When is a good time to follow up? I can see why this is a bad time or okay, what makes this a bad time? Oh, okay. So once we're past that, maybe we can revisit this conversation. It's a, a salesman's trick. When can I, when can I talk to you again about making this sale? And salespeople do it all the time. This is how I sold so much in Mary Kay's. Oh, you can't buy now? When can you then? You can't pay me more now? When can you? And you're putting some pressure on your boss. Don't bully them into the corner. Like, be careful what I'm saying here. <laughs> like, don't try to stronghold your boss and don't hold them hostage and don't like, don't stalk them on Facebook. Like, hey, why aren't you paying me more? Be an adult about it and think about how you're handling the situation. Um, and one of the things that, like I said, going back to the story that I introed all this with is pay attention to what's going on around you. If the organizational hierarchy is changing, if the, the organizational structure is changing, if things are getting more head to get work and you're actually doing a really good job and you've got a proven track record, take those things to your boss and say, these are the reasons why I feel like I'm, I'm worth a little bit more money. I, I feel like another block, I know the worth. Don't just rattle off a number in your head. Do a little bit of math here, but make your case, state your case. Make it hard to, for them to say no. Make them feel bad to say no a little bit. Because what that does is it puts a, a, a red flag in their head that, okay, I can't help them now, but I kind of owe them. I kind of need to keep them in mind for the next opportunity, for the next big role, for the next big, if there's a, a bonus or something along those lines. So you want to stick out and then keep doing good work. Don't let the word no or maybe deter you. And, and God forbid, don't take that attitude of I'll show you and then be a real slacker at work. So Chris, I know you have been in that role where you've gotten to give merit increases and you've had to give evaluations. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I, I think the article is nice and it's neat um, <laughs> and it makes it sound easy. And, and in reality, it's not. I'm going to put a lot of caveats on this stuff. I mean, first of <laughs> all, um, I think if I was to go to my boss today in, in the corporate environment that we have, and said, uh, hey, dude, uh, I've been doing all this work. I, I need a raise, and here's all the reasons why, and, and I could have all the logic in the world. He's going to look and be like, no. I, I mean, he could go and ask, and I can guarantee – I mean, I, I would tend to think that it's going to be denied. I can't say for sure, but, you know, right. I, I think there are just some environments that are conducive to, you know, hey, I need I need some more money, and there are some environments that are not. And so I think you need to be right. cognizant of that, of, you know, what what's your corporate environment – I mean, is it, you know, is it, is it a company that, you know, is a smaller company and you haven't gotten a raise in two or three years? And that's, I think, one story. If it's mm -hmm. another uh, environment where you're in a corporation and they sort of do merit increases on a normal, regular basis, um, you know, I think that's another thing. Um, I mean, I think another time is when your job has significantly changed. Um, you know, like yeah. you were saying at the beginning, when the, your job expectations have significantly changed for one reason or another. Um, I think it's fine to go to your, your boss and have that conversation about like, Hey, you're, you're asking me to do a lot more things for the same amount of money. Right. Um, right. you know, the other thing too, is, uh, it, it can be, 
you know, you can go have that conversation with your boss if your if your roles have significantly changed, and the outcome may not be money, but a change of responsibilities, right? Right. Um, and that that may end up actually costing the company more money in the end because they're going to have to hire a second person to do those things that you're not going to do, right? Right. Um, but but I think it's a delicate dance, right? I don't, I don't think you want to yeah. go. Bu- you don't want to go busting in and be like. Pay me more money because that's probably not going to work out for you. <laughs> show and, me the and, money. <laughs> show me the money. And I, I mean, I, I, I would say on a lot of this stuff, I wouldn't, um, I think that the article, like I said, was very neat and it made a lot of really good points, but I would say, um, I don't hang your hat on getting a raise all the time because I would oh, say yeah. the, the, the percentage of, of times that you're probably going to get a raise off of something like this, um, probably not going to be all that great. No, but the practice is good. Yeah, the practice is good. But I think there's a bigger conversation to be had here around salary. Um, and so the the times in my career where I've changed salary significantly have been between jobs, right? So yeah. I've gone from one job to another job. Um, and I think it's a lot of these techniques are applicable to when you are applying for a new job um, and you get an offer, right? Because just because you get an offer for a salary at a position, that doesn't, I mean... I guess you should qualify it for what kind of job it is. If it's an hourly wage job or union job, probably not going to have any wiggle room there. Right. Uh, But if it's a salary job, you know, corporate environment, that kind of thing, you can completely negotiate um, what your salary is with them when they give you an offer. Now their offer, they may come back and just say, no, we're going to offer you whatever we offered you, but that's probably fine. At least, you know, you tried. Right. Exactly. But I think a lot of people just accept the offer that's given to them on the table. They're just happy to have a job. And then yes. in reality, they're leaving some percentage of money behind on the table. Um, and then, you know, I don't think that's helpful to anybody. So definitely yeah. negotiate, do all these things where you go do your research, know what your position is worth, know what you're worth as an individual, know yeah. what extra things you bring to that position, um, that somebody else may not. And, you know, chances are you, you may get a little more money out of the deal. And, and yeah. even if it's half as much as what you wanted, you're still at the end of the day, the, the rate of at which you make money is really what, what matters, uh, in a lot of this stuff, right? Because, um, we all get paid to be, you know, typical job is eight hours a day. Right. And it doesn't matter. I mean, eight hours is a fixed amount of time, right? Whether you're getting paid $10 an hour or 15 or $20 an hour, or even a hundred dollars an hour, that's, that's your potential to make money in that amount of time. Right. And, 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 you know, besides doing a ton of overtime and things like that, you really don't have any opportunities to make more money um, unless there's some sort of bonus program or, you know, whatever else attached to it. But um, in most cases, you know, the, the amount of money that you're going to make from a job is pretty well fixed. Um, and the amount of time that you're going to put into that job is pretty well fixed. So you might as well negotiate to get the most amount of money for the same amount of time that you're going to be mm-hmm. there. Exactly. I agree. Winded? <laughs> yeah, I need a breath. But no, I, 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 you know, I, th- this is the kind of thing that I think people need practice on. You know, yes. I, I think a, a lot of people nowadays don't know how to negotiate. They don't know how to barter. They don't know to how to know what their yeah. worth is and really go out and get that money that they are worth, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, think this is a little bit of a lost skill that, that people, you know, need some practice on. I agree. And that's one of the things I've taught my kids is negotiation and no value. Absolutely. It's a great point. Well, you know, it's funny because kids 
start out knowing how to negotiate really well. I mean, anybody that's yeah. had a two-year-old, you know, has had an argument with them, like, well, give me that. No, you give me that. Oh, okay. And then you end up meeting in the middle, right? And then <laughs> right. somehow by the time they get to be teenagers, they watch all these video games and we kind of beat the spirit of that out of them. I, I really don't know what happens, but. Um, <laughs> There's but ways you, around that. But yeah, for the most part, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think learning to negotiate, knowing your value, it's it's all great stuff. And uh, yeah. but like I said, you know, a traditional corporate job, uh, you know, this may work a small percentage of the time. Probably not going to work a whole bunch, but try it anyhow. You know, yeah. um, but it doesn't hurt to try. You can just the no is the worst you're going to hear. Yeah, I mean that's just a you know just because you hear no doesn't mean they're going to fire you in most exactly. cases, right? So. Um, go, go for it, try it. And and like I said, you know, the, the secret to getting more money for the same eight hours of work may be actually taking a different job and it doesn't have to be a different job at a different company. It could be a different position at the same company. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, exactly. Sweet. We got that covered. You want to go to the career fail or fail? Can I catch my breath first? (laughs) Let's play the intro. (laughs) Career fail of the week. All right. So you got, uh, what's, I can, you're going to have to read the title of this here because. It's career fail or fail or fail. So <laughs> it's just a few different ways to spell fail, two of which are not um, remotely applicable at all. But the reason I, I, I brought this read. up you is, read um, <laughs> it's, it's trying to, I'm, I'm going, so in these career fails, it's, um, it's hard to search for these. It, it's hard to use anybody as an example today because everybody can be an example of a career fail. Um, and then depending on what side of the political narrative you're on will determine if you're part of cancel culture or not. So I went back in time for this one. And I was thinking about, God, what what things do I remember that somebody did or happened to somebody and it just stuck with them for life? It totally ruined their reputation or their career. And I was like, oh, Dan Quayle, potato. And I don't know where this came from, but it just popped in my head like, I remember when that happened. I remember the media storm that followed it. I remember to this day, you just can't think of Dan Quayle and think he's a terrible speller. Like he is truly bad. <laughs> and it was just yeah, one I, event. I, I remember, was, <laughs> you know, back in the day, I mean, I, I wasn't, I mean, I was just starting high school then. And I just yeah. remember he got roasted. Absolutely well, bad. Roasted. Well, he got called the idiot. He was termed the idiot in, in a mainstream media. And so I picked this some Washington Post article and it's, it, and that's how it ends the article is that he was branded, he's an idiot. And, and what it was folks is if, if you're not familiar with it, if you're um, part of our younger audience, Dan Quill was a former vice president. He served, oh my God, um, was it, no, was it Bush? He was a Democrat, so was it Clinton? Who the hell did he serve? Who was he president? <laughs> it was oh my Clinton, God. that's terrible, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either, that's a good night. I need to look that one up. Jason, chime in and help out. Anyway, he's um, kind of officiating a spelling bee, right? And this student spells potato. The student actually spelled it correctly. Dan Quayle corrected him, adding an E to the end of the word, which is not the correct way to spell potato. And the media took off running a marathon with this man. And so it stuck with him for life, forever. And you can't find any articles about Dan Quayle without this coming up to haunt him. And so it's one of those things that's like, I get why they did it. One, they're the media. So that's kind of the nature of the beast. But two, he corrected somebody else in a spelling bee. It's like, you kind of have to know your stuff if you're going to be the one correcting somebody. 
Yeah, and, and just, the, the article says that he was working off an incorrect flashcard that a teacher had prepared. Apparently, this was a spelling bee, and he added an E. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I am dying to read this like in the old-timey oh 1980s news producer voice, you know? <laughs> Who is the? Yeah, like, is it Dan Rather or who is the guy? Yes, Dan, uh, Dan Rather. Dan Jennings, Quayle Peter today Jennings. had a major faux pas when he spelled the word potato wrong, and now the whole world thinks that he can't spell. How was that? And that's, and that's exactly it. And this is one of those things where his reputation was shot. It was completely. He was almost discredited overnight over this e, an e, the letter e, and it's like. Honestly, I can see how he would have screwed that up. There's been a few times I've looked at potato without the and thought, is that all there is? Isn't there a vowel missing? I feel like, so it's, it's just one of those things where you really need to know your surroundings. You really know what you're involved with, especially if it's not part of your everyday work. Obviously, Dan Quayle was not involved with spelling bees on the regular when he was in the White House serving our country. And so um, I don't care if there was a, um, a card mishap it's still one of these things where you're like, that's not correct. And it's like, you need to be able to think on the spot in some cases and say, this isn't right. This is right. Cause otherwise it could stick with you and you could be known as the idiot for the rest of your life. So it's a major, <laughs> yeah. major I, career fail for Dan Quayle. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the career fail is how you handle it. Right. Because you know, he didn't you handle kinda, it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> He's, he never actually handled it. I mean, it just, he was just like, uh, well, whatever. And he just kind of kept going with life. There was no real, like, hold on here. I, there was a cue card and I was not thinking and I wasn't being mindful. And I just kind of went with the flow. And this kid was really cute. And I just kind of lost myself. It was like, oh, oops. And he just kind of kept going. <laughs> so it's, it, it goes to your point. You need to know how to handle it. How do you handle it? He's like, you mean there's no E on the end? Really? I feel like there should be an E there, but whatever. You know, he, there's... It just kind of, I mean, the media took off and he, he couldn't catch him and he's probably trying to figure out what to do with that extra E. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess to put it in context, the, the student wrote the word correctly on the blackboard and then he, he corrected the student and made him add an E. So he's the vice president of the United States telling this 12-year-old that, <laughs> that he spelled the word wrong and then and then made him spell it incorrectly i, I mean it's kind of com, com you know it's kind of comedy it's a, gold yes. isn't it isn't this like a saturday night live skit or oh, you know I'm something sure you would see SNL in a movie had a field day with this one forever i'm sure it did i wasn't into snl back in the day but I just, <laughs> but it's just one of those and it never left him it stuck with him forever and ever and it's on the internet and that's before folks when this happened the internet wasn't a thing this was not yeah i mean uh to me it's kind of uh i don't know to to me i think that you know okay this happened and then you know it's kind of a thing for a little while and then it goes away right i think in today's culture though that's the bad part is stuff like this just sticks around forever Ugh. and you get be known as the guy who can't spell potato right it just depends what side you know. of the political narrative you fall on i mean yeah honestly. i think the, i think there's a lot of bias there and and yeah. i think you know if it happens to the you know to the right party or the wrong party then you know it gets glossed over but you yeah. know that aside i mean i guess the point i was trying to get to earlier was i think the way that you handle these sorts of things um, makes a big difference in how they're remembered you know now obviously yes. with the vice president and the media that's a little bit different story 
I'm talking about, you know, individuals, you know, that are not in the media spotlight all the time, right. but you know, with your coworkers and things like that. I mean, I think the right thing to do here is just sort of own up to it and kind of, you know, be like, Oh yeah, I, I goofed up, you know, I, I don't, you know, whatever. Um, but I mean, I'm not a particularly good speller anyhow. I mean, I joke that I'm an engineer. You can't expect me to be literate. I mean, I stole that from another engineer that I knew. So, Hey Jason, hope you're watching the show, but I stole your phrase and I use it all the time. So <laughs> that's you know. funny. And I know folks, I can attest to his spelling. Cause I'm like, you do know you spelled that wrong. He's like, leave me alone. I don't spell I'm like, but for real though, like <laughs> fix it. From now on, though, I'm going to be like, you know, potato, potato, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, it's all good. I'm just going to start calling you Dan Quayle, Vice President Quayle. <laughs> then everybody's going to want to know, what's the story behind that one? <laughs> then we're going to have to tell a story and it's going to get boring. So just don't do that. Just move on to the tech corner. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. All right. So for the tech corner here, um, I've got a couple things. Um, so, you know, I kind of moved recently um, into the new house and I was working at, you know, the new house has an island in the kitchen. I was kind of working at the island being like, oh, it's just temporary. I'll, you know, I'll work there. And then I sat there literally staring at the uh, fridge, fridge all day. <laughs> I think I gained five pounds just doing that. So I've now gotten to this like, okay, I'm actually going to stop expanding and I need to lose some weight. So um, I decided, and the other problem I had was the way my house faces is in the morning, all this gorgeous light comes in the, in the kitchen and it's wonderful and I love it and it's bright and airy and all those kinds of things. The problem is you can't see a computer screen when the screen is sort of facing the back of the house. So uh, what I did is I went ahead and ordered a, a new computer desk and uh, that's what I've got here for the tech corner. So I'll bring that up here. And um, I've actually bought two of these now so I can have a kind of an L-shaped desk. Uh, but these are a, uh, oh, let me get, catch a breath here so I can read it. It's a uh, cubic here, computer desk, 63-inch, modern study office, desk large, writing study, table for home office with extra strong legs, comma, natural. I was trying to follow and I screwed up with the comma. <laughs> So yeah, this thing here is a, I'll bring it up here again. It's a, it's a desk. It's a pretty simple design. It's, it's really just a, you know, uh, kind of a, a flat, uh, flat top and it, it's got a, some legs on the side. It's got a little storage thingy on one side of it. Um, and they have different lengths and colors. You can get them 40 inches to 63 inches long. Um, and then they have different colors that you can get. So, um, I thought this was just kind of a, a you know, I, I did a lot of, uh, looking for things and, and right now the trend are these desks that have, you know, I mean, this doesn't have much storage, but the trend now is the very, um, simple industrial desk that has like eaty skinny, tiny legs that don't look like they're very sturdy. Um, and so I wanted something that, you know, was going to be a little bit more solid. And, um, so this is what I picked. So that's, nice. uh, yeah, it's gonna be a nice addition. Uh, eventually I'll have it down in the basement where I do my video editing and I'll have one of the desks set up for the video editing stuff. I'll have the other desk set up for the computer and sort of writing purposes. So, um, that's, uh, what I've got planned, uh, for this whole thing. Um, soon to come, hopefully, um, I've yet to get the second desk. It's still, um, you know, coming to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, that'll that'll be showing up here soon. And the other thing I've got here is the 
Echo. 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 Oh. Echo, Echo, oh. Echo. I love these. I don't so, have this generation, but I love these. Yeah, so my daughter uh, got an Echo Dot for her birthday. And uh, so she, we set it up for her in her room, hooked it up to Amazon Music. Um, oh, I do have this one. Never mind. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. You're jealous for no reason. Um, so, yeah, we, we set it up. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty neat. You can, uh, I'll bring the, the thing up here again. Uh, it's pretty neat. You can yell at it, say Alexa, and it'll play music and add things to your to-do list. You can buy things off of Amazon, um, all that sort of stuff. So I decided to order one of these for the kitchen um, so I can set it up for an alarm in the morning. And then also, uh, you know, it'll read recipes off to you and things like that. So, um, yeah, so this is the Echo Dot. And I've kind of resisted the whole um, smart home lady in the tube thing, you know, lady in the tube. Uh, so thing. That's uh, I, I watch a, another podcast and that's what they call it. They call it lady in the tube. Uh, that's I've, awesome. I've sort of re- resisted that up until now, but, um, you know, I had an old, uh, speaker that was a Bluetooth speaker and it's kind of getting a little long in the tube. So I decided that, uh, you know, this thing's basically just works and you hook it up and, mm-hmm. and it's actually the, the sound coming out of it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does. I have one. I have the A-L-E-X-A. I'd say it, but I've got one like eight inches from me right here. And if I say it, it's going to activate. <laughs> so I have my main one in my kitchen. I have one in the living room, one in my master bedroom, one in my office right here with me. And then I've got one downstairs. There's one in my daughter's room. And eventually there'll be one in the garage. I think that's like six or seven units in my house. They're kind of addictive. It's like a tattoo. You get your first one and you just keep getting, you're like, where can I put this sucker? Like it's on sale for 10 bucks. I need another one. I will find space to put it. So they're, they're really convenient though. I can even set my home, uh, my alarm system through it, which is kind of nice. All right. So I'm going to, clearly I'm going to have to have you over for a training session here so I can <laughs> learn about all these things that I can do. I mean, it sounds like you've got a pretty much an army set up at your house, right? I mean, I, you have yeah, the, she's got me pretty well connected. Like nobody gets past my ring doorbell without her saying motion detected at the front door. And it's like, really? That's the 10th time, like lax off a little bit. Like the cat can walk in front of you. It's okay. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it announced it's, um, and it was really cool about it. So you can be in one part of the house and there's one, like I have one upstairs and downstairs. So I will say, Hey, drop in on the basement. And my, if my son's not paying attention, which could be really funny or really traumatizing for me one way or another, it'll drop in on him. It'll open up a line of communication. I'll be like, Hey, dinner time or whatever. Instead of screaming through the house. Uh-huh. Now, most times he's got that stupid headset on playing his silly game, but the green ring shows up and he can kind of see that at the corner of his uh. eye. He's like, what do you want? Or you could just listen in on conversations, which I'm not saying I recommend. <laughs> Sometimes there's things I don't want to hear, but it's, and then I can play music throughout the house. You can group them on different. Yeah, it's cool. I love them. Dang it, Bo. Thanks can, a lot. Bo's can you say, uh, elect, uh, can you say, lady in the tube, scare the crap out of the kids downstairs? Yes. So what you, it's also, you have an app. So what you can do is you don't have to be home. And there's been times I've done this and it drives Aaron nuts. I will be far away from home. I'll open my Alexa app and I will, sorry, stop. <laughs> she activated. <laughs> I will open. <laughs> she can't hear you. I will open up the app and I will find a song to play or some station to play, like Pandora or something on in my Amazon station, and I will blast it on loud ten throughout the entire house. And he'll like he'll have to be like blah stop. I'm like nope, reactivate blah. So it's a back and forth war, and he's like I will unplug her. 
you go for it. It's I control the rest of the house. It is a fun C- toy. Clearly, too. you enjoy this a little bit too much. That's I, you know, say. it's Bo's fault. It's I just did as I was. I mean, I didn't even ask for it. I just got it. And now it's my. Friend. So I, I did read an article a while back about somebody who um, got divorced from somebody else, and they still had one of the smart thermometers and they had it connected to their phone. Right. So I guess they would mess with their ex. They would turn it way up and make it really cold and make it really hot. Right. You know, and it yeah. just... <laughs> that's awful. Well, you can, there's, there's a lot you can do. Like you can program it to come on at certain times. So you don't even, like you can tell Alex, uh, you can tell her to turn on music at a certain time. And so they could be sleeping dead asleep and this music starts blaring at you. I mean, it's, there's a lot of honoriness. There's a lot of room for honoriness in this thing. And I've had a lot of fun with it. I've ticked off my 17 year old. I'm pretty sure he feels like he needs to move out immediately. <laughs> like he's, he's done playing with mom, but yeah, yeah it's, I, I told, fun. uh, I told my, my son this week, we were driving somewhere and I said, you know, one of the things when you become a parent is you, you just, you get this pleasure out of irritating your kids, right? I don't know. It seems pretty universal. I mean, I I was just singing songs in the car, you know, and he was embarrassed to be with me. But, uh, you know, I was like, you know, it's a dad. I get to do it now. Yep. You'll have to ask it to have my, um, oh, then what's the name? Samuel L. Jackson to wake you up. Cause it's, Ooh, I like that already. That, that <laughs> I'm going to try the, out. And the thing you're thinking, yeah. the way that he talks with the, that wake language up. from Pulp Fiction Blah. is what happens. <laughs> Kid, you wake up, mother effort. It's like, whoa, hold on. I'm awake. Be nice. Just chill out. Have you seen him read that book, Go the F to Sleep? Oh, I love that. That's awesome. It is is so cool. Yeah, you can get it to do all kinds of things. And if you have an Amazon Prime account where you get like free music and stuff like that, it's all hooked up. So you can literally tell her what to do, when to do, how to do it. It's the only woman that complies without question. It's fabulous. So... So if you're out there listening, write in the comments <laughs> things that I should do with the lady in the tube, and I will take a video of it and, and post it back uh, so you can see. Yes. So we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll show it on the next show if if it comes in in time. Um, so tell me what to do with lady in the tube. We want to see what you've done uh, with lady in the tube out there, yes. and uh, and let us know what sort of fun things we can do. So That's remember, awesome. I only have two of these in my house. I don't have like an entire army like tara has um but you know i what can i do with one of these things you know i'll do it too give us both some commands it'll be fun it'll you, be good times you, um, you know you gotta hook me up you gotta let me hook up to yours now so that i can just kind of yell at you through your own alexa your your own leading the tubes that would be tara get on the show you're late again oh yeah hold on <laughs> And you it's can't connect them time. that way. I do believe it's production it's crazy. time. It's funny, um, and you can well, and I can use it. I can actually tell her to call you, and I can talk to you through her, so it, it it can connect without actually us making the connection. If your phone's connected to it, which mine is, I'd be like, hey, so and so, call Chris. She'd be like, okay, calling Chris Bachelor. <laughs> now, what's, do you, do you now, rename well, everybody in your phone to be a pet name? Because I can see you doing that. Yeah, you, yeah, you can, you can, you can actually change her name. Or her, you know how you can tell Siri on your phone to um, have a different um, accent? So she, Lady in the Tube, will also engage in a different accent. And that is what Bo has done because he's got a thing for English accents. And so his Siri and his, I believe his Alexa both 
talking an English accent at him. It's like, really? I think you have got a problem. Like, oh no, 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 I did that too. I made, I made my Siri have an, a British uh, female voice, and I used to work with somebody who was, you know, he was British. He came immigrated from England, right? And he kind of right. gave me crap about it one day, and I was like, eh, it just made Siri smarter. <laughs> I do. I mean, my Siri does speak in an Irish accent now that I think about, it, but I hardly ever use her. I can just tell my my lady in a tube to to do what I need her to do. And she doesn't, and she doesn't want now. And I can also go to Bo's house and tell her what to do, but she doesn't like to listen to me as much. So I think she's got some issues with me at that house. Like it, <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to me. And I'm, I, she's not gonna have to box this one out or I'm going to unplug her. It'll be real simple. <laughs> You're just going to have to program her. That's all it is. I'm surprised yours isn't Matthew McConaughey. I mean, you should make yours oh, to open up. I think instead of awesome. saying, hey, lady in the tube, you should have to say, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> hey, Alexa, say all right, all right, all right. Oh, she's not going to play. Oh, I'm going to work all on right. that. I'll You'll have to record that. that and we'll play it for the next time. Yes. That's what do you funny. say we do our media madness and then get out of here? That sounds good. Welcome to Media Madness. All right, so for Media Madness here, I'm going to bring it up. I've uh, got Long Way Up, which is a video, uh, or it's a, a travel program, and it's got um, uh, Ewan McGregor in it. Ooh. Uh, and he's, uh, of course, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. And uh, so he uh, he rides a motorcycle from the southern tip of, um, what is it, Argentina, all the way up to um, to L.A. And so they do this long journey. Uh, parts of it they have to actually do on, on a boat. They have to actually get on a boat and go around because it's too dangerous to drive through some of these areas. Right. Um, but, yeah, great show. Uh, I think it's eight episodes long. And this is actually the third um, season, if you will. There's two other shows. One's called Long Way Around, um, where they go around uh, the same two people, um, go around the world, whores, you know, sort of horizontally they go start in london they go through russia and china and then you cross uh, back to the united states and then all the way over to new york city nice. um, and then they there's another journey they call long way down which is basically from london then they go down to the southern tip of africa so they do these sort of long um, motorcycle journeys and uh, it's it's really interesting they you know it's kind of a reality ish tv show um, and they have two trucks that follow them um, loosely follow them with production equipment and gear and things like that so um really kind of fun and uh, i'm kind of itching to go doing some traveling now so in a way it's a little bit of a torture mm. watching this because i can't go travel anywhere right now no. uh, but certainly when corona opens back up definitely has reignited that spark in me to go get outside yes i agree totally agree i'll have to check that show out which i have to check all of them out because i'm just such a show freak yeah, and it's it's got um you know Ewan McGregor in, it, and he's his personality is just he's just an awesome dude, and I, I just yeah. really enjoy watching him on TV, and um yeah, I just wish more people were like him, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I just uh, I think it's a it's a good show, and it, and it's one of these shows that doesn't always show them when they're having a good time, <laughs> you know, it shows the the issues that they had too, so uh, you know, it's not really sterile like some of these shows can be, right. which which I really liked. Nice. Cool, cool. When you hear, you want to hear about mine? You probably yeah, know mine. Let's let's Everybody. hear about yours. I'm gonna pull it up here. Uh, You've seen this, haven't you? This is old. This is I old. Probably school. just saw it a long time ago, but it's a long. So 
I don't, God, where was I? I was, I mean, I was here. I was sick last week and held hostage on my couch, unable to go anywhere. And it's like, I'm just going to sit here, not move. I'm going to be sick with a cold and I'm going to watch whatever's on TV. And so Smokey and the Bandit started up and we, we, we didn't see the full thing of that one, but I did see all of Smokey and the Bandit part two. I was like, wow, I used to love this. This is great. Of course, you're seeing it on a high def TV and it's been remastered. So it's really freaking cool now. Do you know how awesome that Trans Am looks on a 65 inch TV? Nice. Oh, it's so awesome. And then you've got Burt Reynolds, who, God rest his soul, is gone, but he did a great job playing that part. And it's kind of interesting because it's a, a sweet, interesting twist of how a narcissist kind of reclaims his, it, he identifies different coping skills and he kind of is like, oh, I am a jerk. I'm going to not be a jerk anymore. So if you're yeah. familiar with it, Smokey and the Bandit, the Bandit's out running the Smokey. So Bandit is this hot rod who rides in front of this um, semi-tractor trailer. Um, Smokey is the cop who's trying to <laughs> nail him and can't nail him. If you're Jackie Gleason fan, great, great part for him. Um, Sally Fields thrown in there for a love interest twist. And she's the sound, the voice of reason throughout the show. Cletus is Jerry Reed. And if you're an old country Western fan, you know that man's voice. He's saying the, the, the primary song to the original movie. But it's just a feel good movie about an elephant that they're going to transport for money. The elephant ends up being pregnant. The elephant ends up giving birth. Everybody has a heart. They don't deliver the elephant for money. And instead, they've decided to do a run for clam chowder. And it just kind of is. <laughs> That's so random. It is. It's awesome. And it's so cool. And but the, can, the great you part of it the is the chase between Smokey and the Bandit. No matter what Smokey does, no matter what Buford T. Justice does with his his idiotic cop of a son who is supposed to be Marion Sally Fields' character for the second time, and she runs out on him twice. You know, he just can't catch up with the bandit. The bandit's too smart for him, the bandit's too quick for him. The, the scene with all the semi trucks is phenomenal. It's not at all plausible, but it's still fun to watch. Like, God, that'd be so cool if you could ride all over those semi tractors. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Relive your childhood through this thing. I think that movie came back in like the 60s or 70s. Um, and I saw it in the 80s. Um, I saw about the same time I saw Cannonball Run 2, which I'm going to put that as my next media madness because that was an, also a great movie. But it's just fun to see these old movies on these high def TV screens and relive these these simple plots, these wholesome, not they're not wholesome, let's be real. There's a lot of sexual innuendos and a lot of adult themes going on here. But it's like, wow, it's so different than what you see today. It's more suggestive versus, hey, they're going to have sex. Let's show you them naked. It's like, I don't really need to see that. I, I got the, the I thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a really great movie to go back and watch. Feel like, oh my god, this is. You just feel good after you get done watching. I mean, I was sick. I'm like, no, I feel better, but I don't feel better. I'm just, I can go to sleep <laughs> yeah. happy now. So, um, have have you watched uh, another great movie that's in the same genre? Is uh, uh, Cannonball Run? Have you seen that movie? Cannonball Run and two. Yeah, I like two better. Um, when that's where they had, um, oh. The big difference between they have the sheik in the second one. Jamie Farr plays the sheik. Jamie Farr is a he was a corporal clinger from Mash, um, which was a '70s show. Um, so he plays the sheik, and it's a really like that's not a sheik, like it's not a serious sheik. <laughs> yeah. well, but I my, love that. My one. favorite part of the first movie is they're flying in an airplane and they're they're drinking beer and they're trying to decide 
sort of what sort of vehicle to do the cannonball run in, right? Right. Um, and and then Dom DeLuise, you know, the sidekick, he goes, Oh, you know, and this is Burt Reynolds flying the airplane. Of course, Burt Reynolds played in Smoking the Bandit, and he goes, Oh, what about a black Trans Am? And he goes, Ah, eh, it's been done before. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a great li- just go well, that's, just go That's uh, a great thing about those movies. They intertwine them that like they cat little catch things in there that you obviously know are there. It's awesome. Gotta go yeah, watch I love it. it. I love the Easter egg stuff like that. It just cracked put a smile <laughs> on my face. But that that just cracked me up. And uh I, I forget where I read that, but somebody had to point it out to me because it wasn't it wasn't all that obvious. But uh, go watch that <laughs> clip on YouTube of the cannonball run where they land the airplane in the middle of the street to go do the beer run and uh, and it's in that scene. It's awesome. It's a yeah. Go. These are the best old movies. I'll be I'll be focusing on these old movies for a while because I just love them and I, I love the feel. How can you be pissed off about a world like we have when you're watching Smokey and the Bandit? You just can't. You gotta kick back and enjoy yourself. It's the closest thing I get to smoking weed because I don't smoke weed. So <laughs> this is this is my this is this is my way. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, are we? Uh, can we expect a review on all the seasons of Mash and Dukes of Hazard? I can do mash right here. I grew up on mash. So if, if anybody's familiar with the show and if one of my siblings is watching it, it would have to be Mike and not Marley. Most of my, my wise assery comes from Hawkeye Pierce, Benjamin Franklin Pierce. He was the main surgeon on the show. And I watched, I just watched a whole marathon of it the other day. It's like, Oh my gosh, I forgot how influential Ellen Alda was on my childhood. Like, my quick wit, my humor, that that off the wall, different perspective of humor. It's like, I wondered where I got that from because I, that didn't come from my parents. It came from him. So thank you, Alan Alda, for raising me. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains a lot now. I mean, it's all starting to make sense. <laughs> you it know, should, uh, add that in Golden Girls. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> my personality is just bunched up right there. That's that's who raised me. <laughs> I think there was a scene I remember in MASH when it was, is it Radar who always had the clipboard yeah. and, uh, and they couldn't find somebody else was looking for his clipboard and he goes, Oh, I filed it under K for clipboard. Yes. You know? I just, they just had that episode on the other day. They were, where's your bugle? It's in the, over there. Where the file cabinet, where under B for bugle. I suppose your clipboard's under C. No, that's under K. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what? What it, was. <laughs> it was so funny. Yes. Love, love, love the humor on those old shows. Yes, they were great. Greatness. Well, we, we certainly have ended this uh, podcast in a much more cheerful place than we started. <laughs> we, we went uphill. Thankfully, we needed to. We, we needed to have we an went, upper. We went uphill, right? I, I think we, we, we... Too much talk about downers. We needed an upper. We got an upper. <laughs> so oh that's, that's how we're just going to have to do this from now on. Should we get out of here? You want to read yeah. this closer? Yep. Yep, I'll I'll take us out. And so, you know, we just want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. And, you know, if you like this episode, would you please show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes? And then uh, don't forget to send us a few dollars on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because this isn't free for us to do, but we want to keep doing it for you guys. To get the show notes for this episode, head over to bizandmayhem.com and look for season two, episode 24. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, everybody, have some fun in the mayhem. We'll see you guys. We'll see you later. Take care.
The Biz and Mayhem podcast is produced by Check 6 Creative Studio. If you have a podcast or been wanting to start one, let us know. We'd love to help you produce and edit your podcast. We'd also love to work with your business on marketing and video production. Visit us on the web at check6studio.com. That's C-H-E-C-K-S-I-X-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. Let us know you heard about us on the Biz and Mayhem podcast.